Welcome to the From Battle to Business podcast. In this podcast, business coach and fellow veteran Dean Van Dyke will bridge the gap between service and civilian life, helping guide veteran business owners to supercharge their business and unlock hidden profits. You wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business. Let's get to it. Well, welcome back. This is From Battle to Business with your host, Dean Van Dyke. And today I'd like to welcome Andy Pettick. A little bit of background about Andy. He recently sold the business after a two-year social venture project running a podcast production company. They produced over 1,500 episodes with over 140,000 hours of listening and over a quarter million dollars was donated in scholarships, sponsorship, and subsidized services for young storytellers and professionals contributing educational content for the masses. His next project, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a minute, is a national network of business matchmaking. Andy's co-founder, Abby Rosenblum, is one of the premier dating matchmakers in the country. They've decided to utilize her systems and his reach to build unique experience to connect entrepreneurs based on values, background, growth stage, geography, and industry interests. Welcome, Andy. Thanks so much for having me, Dean. Yeah, it's great to have you, and congratulations on the sale of your podcast production company. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your next project. Sure. I am from Eastern Washington. I know there's a lot of servicemen and veterans that listen to this. My family is from the inland Northwest. My grandfather was stationed at Fairchild Air Force Base in Spokane. They are uh, very big for their wilderness survival program and uh, KC-135 refueling planes. Mm -hmm. So uh, I grew up with a lot, lot of service people. My dad actually runs a global nonprofit that puts on running events on Armed Forces Day on 168 military installations around the world. So although I am not personally a veteran, I work every day with military folks, and I appreciate what all of you listening do. So Dean asked me to come on to talk about networking and the importance of relationships. And I have had the uh, pleasure for the past couple of years during COVID to step away from my business. I own a marketing agency and we work primarily in product development, mostly for food and beverage companies. And actually one of my big clients uh, has a contract with the DECA, the agency that does all the food commissaries in the Northwest. I guess I had a lot more military stuff than I thought. And uh, yeah, go to bases all the time. So anyhow, during COVID, I saw a lot of people around me struggling, especially with mental health, as we're all aware of. And I took the opportunity to step away and start a uh, social venture project, a for-profit business where we we recommitted most of the profits uh, back into, into the community. And we produced a number of podcasts, a few with a military background, and we really had access to storytellers. We got 5,000 applications in the first week from people with professional broadcasting background, academics, people with inspiring stories, just really, really fascinating opportunity to sponsor people for a couple of years uh, that had a lot of stories to share. And so during that, I started providing a service, helping people get on podcasts and TV and magazines. As you mentioned, my business partner, Abby, uh, is a former TV producer, and she is now a matchmaker in Colorado. And she's got this system connecting people that are looking for uh, romantic interests. And to be really good at matchmaking, you have to really have a connection to the community and build it over time. 
And so she's been doing it for about five years. She's worked with a couple thousand Coloradans, but we wanted to take her system and convert it into business and do it nationally because it's something that's easy to do virtually. And as you mentioned, values, geography, growth stage, you could say, hey, I'm really looking to meet someone who is connected in the San Diego market in real estate, who has a veteran-owned business, and we go out and headhunt for people based on what they're looking for, for a mentor, a co-founder, a, a board member, really anything that folks are looking for. Because although we're back out in person, going to events and doing things in public, networking events still suck the same way that they did before the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's interesting you, you say that. Um, I like to call them the grip and grin. I would agree. They're they, they haven't changed much over the years. And so it's interesting. So you guys are putting a different spin on that matchmaking piece. You're taking it really to the next level of doing a lot of the searching and, and locating and matchmaking. And I love the values piece. Tell us a little bit more about that. So a lot of people in businesses join referral groups. You go to a couple networking events and you realize that everyone there are in hyper-localized industries like real estate, insurance, banking, these kind of things that are, yes, ambiguous and can work with anyone, but very hyper-local to your local community. And these are often books of business. If you're a stockbroker, you know you build your business over a several decade career with local people. If you move to another state, it makes it very difficult. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of folks now are running e-commerce businesses and trying to work on the internet and doing things like coaching. And it's hard to have reach when you're going to the local coffee meetup to actually meet people that are going to affect your future or help you. And for the longest time, I kind of felt alone in a crowded room because I'm a little bit of an introvert. And the kind of work that I do, it just isn't the right match. And a great example would be, let's say you're an accountant and you go to networking events and they put you in a room with a whole bunch of other accountants. Well, that's not going to help you at all. <laughs> Those are all competitors. Correct. You can pat each other on the back. And what if you're an accountant for only restaurants, but you're not getting invited to the restaurant expos? And so this whole networking thing is, is very difficult to get really a foothold out there. And there's nothing better than the traditional hand-to-hand -hand introduction, but having someone reaching out on your behalf, having someone looking for specifically what you need, a lot of people join these referral groups after they've had failure in networking events. And the biggest organization nationally is called BNI. I don't mean to pick on them at all, but it's a couple thousand dollars a month. You get put into a group of 20, 25 people and they say, rest assured, you're the only person in your industry that gets in this group. So there's one investing person, one real estate person. Everybody is supposed to inherently refer to each other, but you might not even like that guy. <laughs> And you might not stand for the same thing. He might have a drug problem. You might be a single dad. Your lives don't really vibe. And you don't want to tell all your friends and family to work with somebody that you don't believe in. And so to draw a parallel with, with matchmaking, if you're on a dating app, you can gather somebody's what college they went to and what their favorite flavor of ice cream is and how tall they are. But you might be six or seven dates in before you find out that they're a racist or that they smell bad or whatever. And having a matchmaker allows you to prevent a lot of the things. 
in her dating matchmaking, she does criminal background checks. She verifies their their employment. And there's a lot that goes to before the first date, somebody's done a lot of work for you. So value-oriented people, it's really to say if you I donate most of the money that I make. And some of my business partners aren't that way or mm-hmm. aren't in the same stage of life or are starting a family or are not starting a family. So a lot of people. Uh, more off more than I thought, even when we started this, really want to meet people based on what they stand for, first of all, over just what industry they're in or if they're looking to spend money or whatever it is. Well, and that really takes it. I mean, luckily, I haven't had to be in the dating game for over 30 years. Um, and so, but I hear I have sons that are in the dating game, and when I hear about it, it is interesting to hear. You know, that first date that's a matchmaking, um, you know, doesn't go so well. And I think where you guys are taking this from a business perspective is very interesting. And it sounds like where Abby has taken the the, the dating matchmaking, um, I mean, just currently today, there's just nothing out there that I'm aware of. Uh, BNI doesn't do that. LinkedIn doesn't do that. Alignable doesn't do that. So you guys are really taking this business matchmaking to the next level. I mean, it's it sounds phenomenal and kudos to you for having the idea of taking a dating match or dating matchmaking and, and flipping it over to business. Thank you. So what do you think is a, cause I've been in BNI. In fact, I just left a few months ago. Uh, there is that, I think misperception as you've already talked about of you're in a group of 25 people, and everybody's going to refer each other when in fact, most don't. I mean, I would say the majority of folks don't refer within those groups. So how are you going to um, overcome that, so to speak? Definitely. So one of the things that is different about us is we are not here to be your salespeople. We aren't here for referrals. We're here to help you find people that could be a logical partner but it's not just for referrals. So people come to us and say, I'd really like to, uh, maybe it's, there's two groups. So if you hire me as a business matchmaker, obviously, depending on what your job is, I'm going to refer people to you where I'm going to get to know you really well. And that's just kind of something that we do for each other, but I can't guarantee how many, how often, whatever. Sure. If you do, um, I always use insurance as an example, but if you do somebody something that every single business needs, that's a lot easier than somebody who's, I have a client who's building 3D printed houses out of hemp and that's awesome, but uh, referrals are a little difficult. They're working on government grants and other things, right? so it's not exactly a consumable that's uh, simple for every single person, but we have we have two groups, one that's kind of above the referral and one that's kind of below the referral. So the first one we call solvers. And a solver is, as it sounds, kind of any gap that you have in your current team or anticipated. So you might think, I'd like to start a podcast and I would love to meet a podcast producer, or I would love to meet someone who has succeeded in podcasting and how to monetize it. I'd like to meet somebody who knows how to run ads rather than typing into Google, who should edit my podcasts, like have a pre-vetted answer to what you're looking for. 
And whether it's a money exchange or not, but that is a need that you have, and we can go help fill that hole without you having to go out and wander around looking. And then the other side are what we call expanders. Again, it's pretty obvious. This one is instead of instead of me introducing you to somebody that might be a customer for you, who can I introduce you to that might give you a hundred referrals? Mm-hmm. So if you are if you are an accountant for restaurant owners and I introduce you to the restaurant association and they have 500 members and I get you maybe an opportunity to present at one of their things or meet the executive director in a hand-to-hand intro, that is interesting. And every meeting we have these talks with people about who would be the expanders for you. And a lot of them have never thought about that. And it's like, Dean, if I could introduce you to anybody, who could I introduce you to that could probably be fertile ground for you to get a hundred referrals. And they think, oh, is it trade shows? Is it conferences? Is it an influencer? Is it an author? Is it a college professor? But people don't think about who would be that catalyst for you Mm -hmm. because it's not in our systems of business or networking to seek out that person. Because you might think they're out of your reach. You might think you'd never cross paths. You don't have something to offer them in exchange. But if you've got someone in the middle, I can reach out to anybody and say, I'm a I'm a national professional business networker, and I have a client that I think is a really advantageous introduction for you. Would you mind? And then the, the person that we're reaching out to has to also go through our intake interview and make sure that they are a match for you before, before I waste either of your time. And so our thing is you can... All of those different elements of a BNI group are necessary, right? But mm-hmm. I want to find you the the banker, the realtor, the insurance person that is applicable to your business, your needs, your growth stage, your values. And some people, I have a gal who works uh, in in the restaurant industry in in Austin, Texas, and she wants to work specifically only with people in Miami and Las Vegas. And that's very specific mm-hmm. and very. Uh, a very specific kind of restaurant, but they do this uh, photography kind of thing. Like if you've ever gone to Benihana or something and they take pictures of you and your family and they offer you printed ones, she's got this system for event-based businesses and casinos and that kind of stuff where they, they have professional photographers that are there for dinner and they have these printing kiosks and they have these download things and all this automated stuff. And she's developing this really neat thing, but uh, they've only done proof of concept in Austin. And she said she wanted to relocate to Las Vegas and why not hire a matchmaker to do the the forerunning for you? You might as well land in Vegas and have your, I mean, have that problem solved. And I love, by the way, the solvers versus expanders. That uh, that just speaks volumes about what you're trying to achieve. And, and you're right. I've never heard when you think about expansion, you know, with what you guys are doing, expanders, how can I expand my reach as a business owner? And you're doing or will do all the legwork. Um, so if I want to get into an, so basically, if I want to get into a new market, reach out to you, this is the market I want to get into, just like the example you just gave. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. So when you think about the solvers and expanders, as you're bringing folks on, uh, tell us a little bit more about your vetting process. Sure. So th- this is a really interesting thing because we developed this very cool system and it is a software and it has, I can say it has you know 12 million permutations or whatever based on our 10-step thing, but that makes us sound like 
like a computer or an algorithm. <laughs> we are two human beings. We have a small team, but every single person that works with us talks with one of us. And we are professional headhunters. We're not just introducing you to the other people that work with us. Very rarely is that even an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So we're out there doing the headhunting for people. So when we talk to them, right now we aren't working with network marketing people. We aren't working with our you know multi-level marketing people, um, which would be like Herbalife or Arbon or one of those mm -hmm. things. Right. Um, we're not necessarily working with people who are freelancers. Um, or gigs type people, you know, that sounds like it disqualifies like the solopreneur. We have a lot of solopreneurs, people that make six, seven, eight figure incomes as a coach or a publisher or a broadcaster, but they don't have employees. Right. So it doesn't matter how many people you have, but uh, we work with founders of businesses. And so we don't uh, work with franchisees. And typically it's, uh, people that are not uh good good humans really i mean we we have every right to say no to anybody and we need someone that we think we likely can represent and people that uh are likable for for other folks because sure. we can only take on so many clients like we are high touch and it's also cheap and that's what we haven't touched on versus the bni and all of that in our in our launch year, uh, we are offering a flat rate service for a year for 800 bucks. And so we're very specifically choosing the people we represent because it's advantageous for us. It's advantageous for you, but we're also doing online speed networking events. We have a live stream. We have a podcast. We have a online uh, newsletter and blog, and we're out there promoting people. I mean, we're pretty much building press releases for you on our website, publishing information about our members regularly, uh, which is all forthcoming. We just launched this business in December. But the the core offering is these, these high-value introductions, and it's uh, a, a pretty cool process. But we've, we've definitely said more no's than yeses or equal. Uh, in our vetting because it's got to be the right fit, especially as we're, as we're in our growth stage. Oh, absolutely. So you, so you're really taking the no like, and trust, which you hear a lot in a BNI or, or other networking group to the next level. I mean, your vetting process is something that, you know, cause I went through the BNI interview. I went through other processes with networking, but you're taking this to a whole new level mm -hmm. and it's just, it's amazing to hear and your price point that is amazing um and you said that was for 12 months provided you get through your process is that correct yep wow i can't promise that three years from now it won't be 10 times that but uh we, yeah i mean this abby and i both own other businesses and we've decided to take a significant time out of our lives to do this and it's really important to mention the fact that I had the opportunity to just walk away from my investments and my businesses and run a podcasting network for two years was uh, a, a really a privilege that I had. And I am a single guy, I'm pretty nimble, and I've been able to cultivate a big network of people over the years that I was able to call in and help. But it's 
every one of our competitors was recently bought by a conglomerate for upwards of $200 million. You know, there was kind of that real tear where uh, Amazon and Sirius XM and Spotify were buying all the podcasting networks, but you don't hear of startup ones. It goes from about 150 million to about like 2 million. And then we launched out there and weren't really worried about monetizing. We're just giving it all back. And so one of the other things that we're doing is we've, we've, and we don't really publicize this, but we've teamed with several groups that um, in different cities are helping. I work a lot in mental health, but we've got a gal in Denver that uh, puts on events around wealth mindset for uh, first-generation immigrant and minority uh, business owners. Mm-hmm. So people that weren't ra- they were raised by immigrant parents, there was maybe a language barrier, they've had the cards stacked against them uh, socially or educationally, and she puts on these really cool uh, wealth mindset seminars. And we've got a gal in New York that has building a, an app that is a dating app, but it's more like masterclass. It's a, actually an education platform for relationships where they have you pay into getting videos and stuff from experts, and then you can also meet people on there. And I've actually got a business partner, and I promise this is not pandering. I spoke to her this morning. <laughs> um, I have a partner, believe it or not, who was, uh, she's a therapist, and mm-hmm. she was actually a military nurse, and she witnessed the shootings at Fort Hood in Texas in 2009. Oh, wow. And she was in the hospital working and um, was there. And she has committed her career to working in trauma and specifically uh, in military trauma. And she actually has a day job working, testing um wearable technologies. So Mm -hmm. they were one of the first people to do testing on Apple watch and Fitbit with, um, with uh, people with disabilities, like calibrating the uh, Apple watch to work with people in wheelchairs, people that have gone through injuries. Anyway, she works in a brain injury space with, with uh, active military. And she is an occupational therapist at this moment, but among a hundred careers in, in mental health, but she's developing an app for uh, a free service with a number of therapists and researchers to provide trauma recovery services. And before we started recording, you were mentioning to me uh, how important mental health is to you and, uh, and within the military community. So as a matter of fact, I, I was asked this week, yesterday, to become part of an app that is being developed for trauma recovery, and it's being piloted for veterans. So that is something that I'm helping connect her with people. I'm helping recruit teams, and uh, it's something that I get to do. So in being a professional networker, which was never my thing, I started this as the the case study for people who hate networking why I wish that there was a a business matchmaker out there for me. And then I happen to have this super extroverted business partner that meets people like a butterfly. <laughs> uh, I have been able to reach out to anybody because no one's going to say no to somebody who's going out of their way to introduce you with someone. And I've been able to do a lot of nonprofit work in mental health and environmental stuff and animals and some of the things that we work with. And that one is particularly close to me because um, this is a, very close friend of mine and she gets to do 
very cool things, but what she does for people with disabilities and for veterans and for women is a huge deal. Well, that's amazing work. And you're, you're absolutely correct. TBI or traumatic brain injury, as we now know it has been, you know, a significant issue because of what we've been involved in, in, in a couple of decades. And it's a, and it was really evident or became more prevalent because of the different types of improvised explosive devices. And, and my son who served in Afghanistan, you know, experienced this with the platoon that he led and the, the effects of it. So I, I applaud the work that she's doing. Um, mental health is important to, um, myself as well as my family, you know, as we talked about before we hit the record button, 22 veterans a day, take their own life. And it's, uh, you know, having lost a good friend to suicide, um, I wear a bracelet every day just to remind myself that, uh, you know, 22 of my fellow brothers and sisters are no longer with us. And, and so I appreciate what you guys are doing and especially what, um, your friend is doing from, uh, from the, you know, traumatic brain injuries and making an impact. And, um, <clears throat> sorry, that's a little, that topic can be a little emotional for me. So I do apologize. Um, uh, so all the great work you're doing and, and have done and continue to do. One of the things that I like to ask or, or learn more about is what do you think has been your biggest failure and what did you learn from that? Oh, uh, sure. Well, one of the things that is, um, for me, I, my journey with mental health and my journey as an entrepreneur have been very entangled and I have no delusions that I grew up in a, you know, upper middle-class Caucasian family in Eastern Washington that is largely Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Uh, the community I grew up in is not incredibly diverse, and there are a lot of agriculture, a lot of military, um, and service professionals. And it's very odd because the west side of Washington State is, uh, you know, Seattle and Portland are politically an entirely different climate than the inland, and uh, there is a different mix of people and there's a different mix of education. But where I grew up, it. it I had every opportunity and I went to college and I was educated and I had a good job. And when I decided to quit my career job to start a brewery, everybody thought it was awesome. Uh, and it stops being awesome at some point. But the reason I'm saying this is, and I'm trying not to just tailor all of this information to military, but I know that your listeners are veterans and it's been easy for me because when I grew up, my dad literally works for a distributor that sells fruit to the military <laughs> and he goes to bases every single day and he runs a nonprofit with Nike that puts on these, these kids running events. And I go to the base and volunteer and I have lots of friends and family that are, that are military service members. Mm -hmm. And so it's difficult because, and this is, this is just me completely deflecting too. And this is the problem I'm about to get to. My biggest failure is thinking that anything that I've been through emotionally or financially is first world white guy problems. Hmm. And a lot of people that I work with have not had the opportunities that I have. And 
for me to go through a divorce and get sued by my best friend and be forced into a bankruptcy and lose all my money. Like these are not problems like not being able to eat or drink clean water uh, or be apart from family for years at a time or any of those things. But I think my biggest failure is, is the, you can't pour from an empty cup thing. I feel like my life has been largely altruistic and I'm very proud of what I've been able to do for other people and for my community. But I have worn myself to the bone multiple times and mm. I have had extremely huge face plants uh, that I can say, look, this is negligible compared to uh, being around, being around wartime conditions or losing friends and family. But face plants that end uh, marriage or relationships or friendships or bank accounts. This is what business owners um, fear, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think time and again, I've put it all on the line for my businesses and I've sacrificed personal relationships and I have uh, for better or worse been addicted to the dream and it's, that is probably my biggest weakness has been putting other people first and not knowing how to take care of myself. And the first lesson they'll teach you in business, regardless of your background, education, or if it's your first or second career, or if it's a career after um, active, duty, active duty military or anything like that, it's uh, pay yourself first. And it's cool to work long nights and double down and all that, but you gotta you got to pay yourself because- I've always thought I don't give a crap if I live in a van, if I can be making a difference in the world, but I also don't want to die 20 years earlier or give myself, uh, you know, preventable diseases from, from stress or, uh, diet habits or lack of relationship or mental health. So my biggest failure is too much giving and not knowing how to receive or take care of myself. Well, and that's, I mean, you know, I, I talked to, you know, some of my clients, you know, have been there and I help them back down from that because, you know, I think our culture, business culture, you know, working 80 hours a week is what a business owner should be doing. And that leaves you no time to focus on yourself. Right. And that's so to admit that and to, you know, help others learn about that because there's, I mean, there's tons of research out there that says, you need to focus on yourself. You know, you know. Think about when you're in an airplane. In fact, I just had that yesterday. The safety warning: Hey, put your own, put your own oxygen mask on first, and then help others. And so, I think admitting that and just talking through that, I, you know, greatly appreciate that. I think that 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 will definitely help uh, the audience and and understand and and learn from that. So I appreciate that. The oxygen mask thing. People have said to me. 700 times. <laughs> it's the best <laughs> metaphor. It really is. I mean, it's, it's one of the things, you know, when I take on a new client, we start talking time management and, you know, what's your goals and, and focused on, on, you know, initially them, because I want to understand, you know, what is your ultimate goal? And uh, not only for yourself, but for your business. And, and that oxygen mask uh, analogy works wonders uh, because everybody can relate to that for the most part. So, but uh well, as we as we start to land the the plane here, uh, I've got a couple what I like to call speed round questions. Um, Want to throw at you? And so, what's your favorite productivity hack? 
Ooh, I, I am very much not the typical, I'm extremely right-brained. And so I don't take really great notes. I'm not really great with my calendar. Uh, I have a very photographic memory and I uh, remember lots of details, which keep me from getting in trouble. But I think uh, my thing is, is the morning routine. Mm -hmm. I, I get up early and uh, try to exercise and have good eating patterns. And even if I'm bouncing around like a Tasmanian devil, I get three or four hours of work done before anybody else does. And I've always been uh, in a fortuitous time zone <laughs> to my clients. So I think I wish I had a better hack. I listen to a ton of podcasts and I read a ton of books and I, uh, I actually, I, this is an odd one, but I think one of the things that I do is you got to find your, your calm Mm -hmm. And I am one of these people that has, I'm never not thinking. And I, I like to joke that in public, I have the guy version of resting bitch face because if I'm talking, I'm really animated, but if I'm not talking, I look like I don't want to be here. <laughs> and I'm just a very cerebral guy. I'm thinking, I'm analyzing, I'm looking at the exits. I don't know what that says about my personality, but I, uh, I am just always going. And if I am, if I am awake, I I'm going hundred miles an hour. So one of the things that I do is go to movies. Sometimes I'll disappear at noon and go to a movie and nobody knows where I am. And that's like the place where you can get lost in something mm -hmm. and it's $5 therapy, you know? <laughs> and uh, sometimes I go to movies two or three times. Sometimes I go a couple times a week, but I work for myself and I work crazy hours and this month I'm actually in Seattle. I'm normally based in Denver, Colorado right now. And I work from five to nine in the morning and five to nine at night. And in the middle of the day, I go drive around and go on hikes and, you know, you just kind of have to find your, your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But for a long time, people have access to me 24 seven. Ooh, airplane mode, turning off your phone at night, <laughs> uh, boundaries, stop wearing the Apple watch. So I think my, my two hacks are go to the movies turn off your phone. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, that's a great segue. So what are your three favorite movies? Um, Gladiator. Oh, nice. which they're making a sequel to, which is very odd, but Ridley Scott's getting pretty old and uh, Russell Crowe's doing okay. Uh, I'm a big Star Wars nerd. I definitely uh, love those franchises uh, and superheroes and all the things and probably dark knight trilogy is the other one okay so wow pretty those are like very standard guy answers for somebody who's i kind of see myself as a cinephile i like a lot of indies and a lot of oldies but uh yeah those those are definitely my faves i love the i love that gladiator and star wars and uh, you know dark knight those are some of my favorites um uh, so you mentioned books as well uh what are the if you if you have your top three books that you'd recommend to the audience, oh man, um, you know people always do like Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, or I like the Dale Carnegie one, How to Make Friends and Influence, Gain Friends and Influence People. Mm -hmm. But um, I've read a couple recently. There's one by this guy Gary John Bishop called Unfuck Yourself. Great book, uh, which which I really like. 
I really love the Phil Knight biography, Shoe Dog, mm-hmm. and the Bob Iger uh, autobiography, Greatest Ride in the World or something, talking about building Disney and running corporations. That's a really good one. Well, Andy, I can't thank you enough for joining us today and for your insight. Any any parting words for the audience? I think the biggest one for this this conversation is uh, you you can't pour from an empty cup or put put your mask on first. You're going to be able to give more if you learn how to take care of yourself. And uh, I gather that a lot of people listening have made a lot of sacrifice and are used to caring for others and protecting others. And uh, you got to put that mask on so you can you can have more uh, opportunities to help other people because that's something that I've struggled with. And I know I can speak for a lot of business people that do too. Amen to that. Well, I greatly appreciate that insight and uh, thoroughly enjoyed having you on. And I greatly appreciate that you joined us today. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks for listening. In order to help others, please subscribe and share this show up with other veteran business owners in your network. If you want specific guidance, feel free to book a complimentary call with Dean at DeanVanDyke.com. Remember, you wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business.